Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. Last week, I want to thank you so much for participating in Central's annual highlights. It was a fun, uh, fun service for myself and for a lot of people who participated in that. We had our yearbooks. If you did not receive a yearbook or if you didn't receive one of those $1 bills, those are both at the Information Center. But please pick up one, one of those yearbooks if you weren't here last week uh, to just look through what the Lord did in this past year. We had our first uh, Golden Brick Awards where we were able to award people and celebrate people and honor people. It was just a lot of fun being together. And then we threaded the annual uh, business meeting within that service. It's the first time we've ever done that on a Sunday service. And we'll get out to you. I believe it will be next week uh, who our current elder and deacon teams are for this next year. And then at the end of that service, we launched uh, our new mission statement. And what we said you know, before, it's not a new mission for Central. It's not a new direction. We feel like the Lord has always had this stamped on Central for the past 66 years. He's just redefined how we're saying it for this generation. So if it's on the screen at this time, let's read this together as well. Our mission is to produce a unified family of believers being transformed by Jesus and empowered to live supernaturally while advancing the kingdom. God, everywhere we go. Amen. If we look at this statement, we feel like it embodies the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. We feel like it embodies the Great Commission. We feel like it includes the early church in the book of Acts and also a biblical model of ministry to empower each person to be able to walk in the power of the Spirit. So regardless of how long or how short you've been a Christian, regardless of what upbringing you've had, we actually believe that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you the moment you become a Christian, the moment you're born again, and that the Holy Spirit wants you to walk in the power of the Spirit in your everyday life. From this mission statement, we extracted four words that have become our values. And this is what I'm going to talk about over these uh, next eight weeks or so. There'll be a slight pause for when Dan Moeller comes, but we're going to get through uh, each of the four values that we've laid out from the mission statement. We're going to take a few weeks for each of those. We'll be flexible if the Lord wants us to stay on one of them longer than the other. Uh, but today we're going to talk about family, that, that, that aspect of family as a value uh, we've been saying welcome home here for several years, and we've been known uh, for many, many years as a church that is a welcoming church, a friendly church, a place where somebody just feels home. And we talk to people, I would say regularly, not even irregularly, I would say regularly, people that don't even come to our church anymore. They came for years, and they'll go to maybe another community church, or maybe they'll, they've moved out of the area, and they'll say, well, yeah, but you know, Central, that's my, you know, that's my home. Central's my home. And there's just something about what the Lord has done for the generations through this church that he has uh, equipped us to be a healthy family, a unified family, a united family of believers. So inside your bulletin, you don't have to reference it right now, but it has our mission statement on the front. And then inside it actually just gives an introduction to each of those, um, each of those values. And then it gives scripture references that ties into that statement as well. And what we're going to begin to do is just unpack each one of those values in the upcoming weeks, and then we will spend, uh, you know, as long as we need to, to create that culture here and then continue to keep it strong. So the statement in your booklet on family says this, we're a family of believers united in the Holy Spirit, welcoming all to receive and extend the love of God so that we may become mature in the faith while providing authentic care to one another. So follow some of this out. 
we believe that God wants us to be united in the Holy Spirit. We want to welcome all people who first receive the love of God and then can extend it to others for the purpose of becoming mature in the faith. We want to be able to care for one another through that. Next sentence says, we experience this family environment by honoring each other's uniqueness, by valuing one another's strengths, which we're going to talk about next week, and living generously toward all. And we're pulling this out of the early church. When Jesus empowered his uh, apostles and his disciples to go forth and the day of Pentecost happened and the church was birthed that day, we see a lifestyle in the early church that we want to mirror the strengths of what was happening. So today, I want to talk about a few different things. I want to talk about welcoming all. From that statement, I want to talk about honoring each other, honoring the uniqueness in each other. And then I want to talk about the result of that is us being united. Now that word united, it, it holds that same value as the word unified in our mission statement. And we'll discuss that in just a little bit. Now, I had somebody ask me a, a great question last week before the Central's Annual Highlights, and it was about the manifesto. They just said, hey, we had the manifesto that you gave us a few years ago. Are we still supposed to be praying through that? I don't believe that that manifesto is ever going to expire, right? We, we sent it out to, to, as soon as I became the lead pastor, we prayed through and developed it. And we sent it out as a declaration. So there were multiple paragraphs with scripture references. Then the following year, we turned it into prayer points so people could pray through each of those as they were declaring the year before. Now, the reason why I didn't update it for declare this year is because we knew we were going to launch this mission statement. So with our mission, with our values and statements like what are in your brochure uh, today, plus all those scripture references, we can declare those things, we can pray through those things, but that doesn't devalue uh, the manifesto. I don't intend on updating that, but if you're still praying through that, those are things we still absolutely believe are believing the Lord for. And you'll see they tie hand in hand in with what our values are. So what I want to do is this. I, I want us to understand the importance of, of knowing that we are supposed to be a completely unified body together in Christ. There are so many people that come from broken families and unsupportive families that when they even hear that word family, they might think, I don't want to be a part of it if you're talking about family. So what we want to do is not try to prove to them through a statement we have on a brochure or a website. We want to prove to them through the culture that we are creating, that we are a healthy, unified, united family of believers, tight enough to know each other within smaller groups, but also welcoming enough to say, listen, you could have never stepped through here, through these doors before, but when you do, you feel welcomed, uh, you feel introduced to other people, and that you feel like we care about you. Does that make sense? So that's a, that, 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 there's a tension in that to be a strong, unified family, but still welcoming to anybody who would walk in here uh, from, from any other walk of life. Jesus prays a prayer that is, is, I think, a wonderful picture of how he wants us to be united. In John chapter 17, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. That will be on your screen. But if you like to write in your Bible, maybe you turn, turn there to John chapter 17, and maybe you underline some things and mark some things throughout Jesus' prayer. I want to start at verse 20. Jesus says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, the ones that were close to him and following him, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So that's us. That qualifies as us. We are ones who came along, who believed in the message of Jesus later on. He says, I pray that they will all be one. Can you say all? all. Say be one. be one. So his expectation, his faith praying to the Father that all believers that would come after the initial apostles and disciples would be one, just as you and I are one, 
as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. He says, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one. Say, may be one. As we are one. It says, as I am in them and you are in me, may they experience such perfect unity. Say, perfect unity. That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So that phrase here, that they will be one, what that means, it's a single unit, not many different units, but there's a unity there, that they're united throughout Scripture, that word is used, united in the Holy Spirit. So again, that's a very similar word to the word unified in our mission statement, meaning there's different parts working together seamlessly as a single unit. Now, how many of you know the apostles, just in the 12 of them, they were very different people. Very different backgrounds, very different upbringings, gotten arguments, fought about who was going to be the most important and who was going to sit next to Jesus. So not just the apostles, but now we're talking about disciples, and now we're talking about thousands of years, over 2,000 years later. How many of you know he knew we were going to be very, very different? And yet he still prayed that they would be one, that we would be one as he and the Father were one. I like how uh, one of the study resources that I was reading put it, that Jesus was in essence saying this, I pray that they may act together just as though they were one person. That's amazing. If people would see us and say, you know what? It's a very unique church and there's people of different backgrounds, different ages and life stages, but they act as one unit, as one unified family moving forward with the same purpose. How many of you know you can have different spiritual gifts and different callings in your life and still be a part of a greater family of God with one common purpose to advance the kingdom of God, to fulfill the great commission? And what I like about this is because Jesus prayed it, we know it's the will of the Father. It's actually his will. God wants us to be as united together with each other in relationship in the Holy Spirit as the Father was with the Son. I actually don't believe it was Jesus' intention for there to be different Christian denominations. When we have the Assemblies of God, Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, Catholic, Lutheran, Church of God, Church of Christ, Church of God in Christ, Church of God of Prophecy, Four Square Christian Missionary Alliance, United Pentecostal Church, International Pentecostal Holiness Church, Independent, Non-Denominational, and Inner-Denominational, and so on. And this was not Jesus' intention. What we see in the book of Acts are followers of Jesus, and the way they gathered were in cities. So you see the church of Galatia, the church of Philippi. You actually see it through Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the church of Colossae. So the way that the Father interacted with them was the church of a city, but they didn't have their own brochure. Philippi didn't say, well, we believe in this one thing, and Colossae said, well, we believe in something a little bit different. We baptize in this, and we baptize in all three names. We dip, we pour, we dunk. They didn't do that. They all followed Jesus. That sounds humorous, but we have like over, I don't know if it's over four or 600 denominations now. So in the assemblies of God, we believe we're trying to follow the Bible the best we know how. The revelation that he gave is something that's got over 110 years ago. That's what we believe. And we believe that is founded in the Bible. We're not going to dishonor other denominations because they believe something differently. 
right? We're going to honor them as honoring Jesus as Lord. There's not going to be a Pentecostal and a non-Pentecostal street in heaven. Presbyterians this way, Methodists, please, this way. That's not going to be that way, right? Jesus is going to be our Lord. He already is our Lord. So what we do, we follow him as Lord. We follow scriptures as the Lord gives us revelation, and we minister out of that revelation. So what the Lord does is, is he has planted many different people in this congregation. But I, I want you to know, when I'm saying that he wants us to be one, I'm not talking about conformity. I do not think in the church that conformity brings unity. I actually think diversity brings unity. Now, in the rest of the world, right, in the, in the kingdoms of this world, conformity brings unity. Everybody dress the same, act the same, look the same, do the same. In the church, that's called boring, right? God said, what did Paul say? We're all parts, different parts, but of the same body. So the finger and the nose, they don't look the same, they don't act the same, they don't have the same purpose, but they're part of a larger body. So I actually believe in God's kingdom, diversity is what brings unity. Why is because this, each one of us were created uniquely. Each one of us has specific callings and giftings. And when we get to operate in those callings and in those giftings, we are then fulfilled. And when we're fulfilled, we stop looking at what he does and what she does and what he's good at and what she's good at. And we actually just live a life fulfilled in Christ. Now, if we have several hundred people doing that, all fulfilled, then guess what we can do? We can bind together in unity in the Holy Spirit. Because there's no comparison now. There's no jealousy. There's no judgment. So we're all walking our path with Jesus individually, a part of a greater family of God. Does that make sense? When I say diversity, I also don't mean we just believe whatever we want, right? We believe what Scripture says about Jesus, about salvation. We have one faith, one Savior, one baptism, one Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going after. So don't mistake diversity as sloppy theology. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in our own giftings, in our own calling, in our own personality, let's walk out what Scripture says about family. When Jesus prays later on in the verse about, uh, so that they may be one as we are one. I just want you to think, anytime you get frustrated with another family member at Central, or if you start to gossip about one, you start to complain about something, I want you to catch a picture of how unified the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were. No anger, no jealousy, no judgment. No, no, like Jesus never took God around the corner and said, did you see what Holy Spirit just did? Like, it's laughable to think about that. Yet, yet Jesus prayed the will of the Father. What's the will of the Father? That we would be one as they are one. Like, that's going to hurt me, I'm sure, someday. Like, you start to say something like, wait a minute. Jesus would never do that with Holy Spirit about the Father. The Father would never take the Holy Spirit aside to just, you know, ah, I'm not sure about Jesus today. <laughs> Yet we know this is the will of the Father. He goes on to say that they may experience such perfect unity. That word unity has the same root as the word one up earlier in that verse. So perfect oneness, perfect, a perfect single unit, harmoniously representing the love of God. Now, what's the result of this? Listen, churches across America, we have the most strategic outreach plans and evangelism and telling people, but what does Jesus actually say? That they would be in perfect unity, that the world would know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That's amazing. If we can somehow begin to demonstrate 
the love of God between each other and operate in such perfect unity and oneness, then what will happen is a lost and dying world will either come into these doors or they'll see how you interact with other people uh, out in public or you'll see how you talk kindly and honorably about other people from your church family. And they will actually know that there's a God in heaven who sent his son to shed his blood for, to, out of love for us and that God's love for them as, is as much as it was for the son. That's an amazing result for just living in unity. It makes division in the church. It's too cold in here, too hot in here, too bright, too, too soft, too loud, whatever. It makes some of those things seem so much less meaningful. If we actually know that there are people that are dying and going to hell, and if they start to see us being a unified family, walking in differences, but with the same purpose, walking in the same direction, they'll see something and say, I want to be a part of that. That's a wonderful, wonderful result. We have to believe it's the Lord's will. So listen, we'll still have disagreements, right? I want people who are strong in the Lord, who are strong decision makers, who are going after what God has for them. From time to time, we're going to have strong disagreements. But disagreement does not lead to disunity. In the world, it does. And actually, in many churches, it does. If you disagree with the way I do church and I disagree with the way you do ministry, then from that, we are now divided. But I actually don't believe that disagreement is supposed to bring disunity. I actually believe dishonor is what brings disunity. It's when you're in an argument and you don't take any of the other person's uh, perspective, their background, their history, when you don't take any of that into play in your disagreement and in your negotiations and in your compromise, that is where disunity happens. So if we know, listen, we're going to disagree, we're going to do ministries differently, uh, we're going to go at this thing the best that we know how, but we're going to keep unity the core value, we're going to keep family the core value, then the basis of that, the root of that is honor. We don't want to dishonor each other, but we want to honor each other. So if we look at the early church, Acts chapter 2, we go through some of these verses here. So what we look at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls, baptizes the 120 that were in the upper room. Peter steps out and he preaches the first message of the early church, we could call it, the birthing of the church. So that day there were 3,000 people. It says approximately 3,000 people that were born again. They were actually water baptized that same day, went home, born again and soaking wet. In verse 42, it talks about the result of the early church. These people don't know how to do church. They don't know how to do New Testament church. These are Jewish people who are used to following the Jewish law, going to the temple, going to the synagogues, and so on. But look at the result of this, being united in the Spirit. It says, all of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the sharing of meals, which includes the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in the homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, <clears throat> all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. 
Now, sometimes when we talk about family ministry and being a family, we lose like the whole supernatural side of things. But if you look sandwiched right in here, look, they were all devoted together to teaching, fellowship, sharing of meals, prayer. They were all, a sense of awe came over them all. But it also says that the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So we can care for one another and pray for one another and bring meals to one another and at the same time operate and flow in the supernatural. Does that make sense, guys? So we could give the care and the concern. We can babysit the, the busy parents who have to be out so they can, they can go out on a date. And we could do all those practical things while still expecting his power to flow. I love if you just look at this paragraph. It says all, I think, four or five different times. All the believers devoted themselves. They were all in a sense of awe. They all, they all met together in one place. It says all the while praising God and the goodwill of all the people. So look what happened here. There was no one around the corner slacking off. They all devoted themselves. I don't actually think Luke would have wrote that. They probably would have said about 2,000 out of 3,000 devoted themselves. The other 2,000 just waited until like the important meetings to show up. He didn't say that. He said, all believers. You know, one of the things we've prayed about as a pastoral staff, if you look at national statistics, you'll see the consistency of church attendance declining. So who used to come four times a month are now coming three. Who used to come three, maybe two or one. Who used to come two, maybe once every couple months. And I understand church attendance itself is not going to give us a family culture, but it is important to gather together regularly to celebrate what the Lord is doing. So we believe we're gonna be countercultural in that. We believe people are gonna take being part of Central's church family seriously and be devoted to that. It says that they were devoted to teaching, so they were all learning. That's necessary, right? Being, being under the teaching of the apostles in that day, it was necessary so they could understand how to love one another, how to respect, how to even live in freedom from the law. All those things were extremely important. Even if you jump down to verse 46 here, it says that they worshiped together at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and the sharing meals and so on. These Jewish believers continued to go to the temple to receive Old Testament teaching. Eventually, they were, most of them were excommunicated because of their belief in Jesus, but they continued that tradition of going to receive teaching. But then they also met in the homes, and that's where they received the, uh, the teaching that wasn't written yet in the New Testament. They were, they were receiving that teaching about Jesus Christ and then all the apostles. And then as they equipped elders to do that, they were ministering, not just in that large setting, but in the small setting in their homes. It also says in the fellowship here, that act of sharing in the activities and the privilege of intimate relationship. You know, a lot of times we'll say, hey, we're gonna have a, a soup fellowship, you know, after, after church. And we get together and we sit around the table for 10 minutes, eat our soup and then go home. That's not biblical fellowship. Fellowship is actually not just sitting facing one direction one day a week. It's actually being in real relationship with one another. You know what? That's what we want to strategize, how we can do uh, small groups and groups in the future to say, listen, we're not doing this for six weeks or eight weeks so you fill in the blanks and go home, but so that you can come into a larger group but still know somebody, know five, 10, 15 other people in the church that you can be trusted with their information and, and vice versa and really care and have concern for one another. It says they shared in their meals. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Listen, relationship happens over food. We've talked about it before, whether you invite somebody over to your house, whether you invite someone out to lunch on a Sunday, it's just, it's an important part of relationship. Now I want you to see verse 46, guys. 
It says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It did not say they were out on outreach every day, did it? It says they were devoting themselves to being a unified family. In the midst of families, signs and wonders and miracles were happening. And in the midst of them sharing in their meals and being generous with each other, the Lord was adding people to their the, the fellowship, those who are being saved every single day. That's the best evangelistic strategy we have is to be a unified family of believers. We see it even in Acts uh, 4.32. It says all the believers were united in heart and mind. A lot of your translations say heart and soul. They felt like what they owned was not even their own, so they shared everything that they had. See, the Jewish belief that the heart was your, the center of your intellectual activity and that your soul was the center of your will. So when you put those two things together, that's your entire being, your entire person. So they're saying, they're, what, they're, what, what Luke is saying here is that all the believers were united in their entire being with that same purpose. I said it before, all these things are rooted in honor. I believe that that's the root of how we're gonna become and how we're gonna continue to be a unified family is through honor. So I just wanna talk about that for the last 10 or 15 minutes or so. In Romans chapter 12, if you wanna turn there, I'm gonna read uh, out of the New Living Translation again. It will be on your screen. Luke wrote the book of Acts. Paul wrote the book of Romans, but it all threads together when you're talking about relationship. In Romans chapter 12, starting at verse nine, it says, don't just pretend to love others. That's pretty clear, right? Don't just pretend to love others. It says, really love them. Hate what is wrong, Hold tightly to what is good. You know what I look at these verses? Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. What I look at that is this. Is I believe as we become a stronger and a stronger united family of God, that people are going to stop leaving over silly issues. People are going to stop saying, well, I don't, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. So I'm out of here. I actually believe that we're going to look at this as I'm a part of a family. I don't leave family over disagreement. I'm going to hate what is wrong. I'm not going to like that decision or this decision, but I'm going to hold tightly to what is good. That means to cling to, to not be separated from easily. So we want to work through it. I've said it you know, many times. My office is open. to Call if you have a concern. Call, come in, meet with the elders, talk. We want to talk through disagreements, and I guarantee you we'll be stronger after that, and we work through things than we were before. Verse 10, it says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. A lot of translations say, honor one another above yourselves. And I just want to stop at that phrase there. Take delight in honoring each other or honor one another above yourselves. Listen, honoring someone above yourself does not say you think less of yourself. It does not say, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to demean myself and I'm weak so you can be made strong. No, Honoring someone above yourself or taking delight in honoring others simply means you're putting them first. You're putting them on a higher shelf of being recognized and appreciated than what you require yourself. So it's looking at the strengths of somebody. It's looking at who they are in Christ and then putting them on that shelf of honor in your life. I mean, think about the impact that we would have as a church family if every single person in this church family came not thinking, well, I hope the sermon's good today. I hope they sing a song that I like. I hope it's warm enough, cool enough, whatever. But we actually got up in the morning and said, how can I honor somebody else in this church family today? How can I lift somebody else up? How can I encourage them? How can I fan their flame? Think about that. There would be no consumerism in the church then. We wouldn't be worried about what we're getting out of it. 
Like we're not a part of a family to see what we can get out of it, but what we can put in it. That's what I believe that, that the Lord has for us as a New Testament church. Think about a large family reunion. Many different people, many different backgrounds and ages, all in, let's just picture it in a big park somewhere. It's one family in one place, but the kids probably end up on the playground. The guys may end up on the ball field. There might be some, some women talking about parenting and life situations. Maybe the grandparents and the great-grandparents are talking about the family tree and the heritage. If you look at an event like that, they're all one family, but they're doing different things. They have different interests and different styles. The kids do not sit on the sliding board and be like, I can't believe grandma won't come on the sliding board anymore. Right? They don't judge somebody for doing that. And the grandparents aren't saying, oh, look at how much fun they're having over there at the playground. How dare them? That doesn't happen, do they? Because there's honor for different life stages. There's honor for different styles of how we celebrate family. So the same holds true in a church family. A wide variety of backgrounds, but we can celebrate differently within the church, without criticizing, without judging, without condemning. Think about in the Jenkins household, different styles, different backgrounds. Sharice and I, we have different styles, different likes of music, different ways of doing life in certain situations, but we get along well. It's one of my four kids, having four kids so close, right? Different personalities, different backgrounds, different likes, different styles, but they know how to have fun together. In fact, this is just a taste of what you might actually hear in our family on a given week. second video, I felt tension rising. They were all Christian, all Christian artists, all Christian music. Is that what you wanted me to say? Oh, it's all loud. Yes. Very, very loud. Yes. 
Now, fortunately for me, I still like all of that music. Yes, I do. But there might be a time when, my, when I'm a grandfather and I start hearing and I'm starting saying, what is that racket? As a grandparent, I'm not going to come against that child and say, how dare you like that music, right? Because you honor and you love that child. Just like I wouldn't want that child to make fun of my music and what I used to like in the old days. <laughs> you know, the challenge comes is this. So what we want to do is we want to basically honor one another. We want to take differences. We want to acknowledge you might listen to really loud music and you might like, you know, really soft music. Whatever it is, it's not just about music. It's just about differences that we have. You know, and I want, I want our younger crowd to not dishonor the days when hymns were sung and when stained glass window was the style. That was the style of music and that was the style of decor and design then. We don't want to make fun of that. There's a generation that, that, is, that are pillars in our church that welcomed hundreds of people through these doors over the decades into the presence of God with hymns and with a different style. So we don't want to ever dishonor that and say that is the old days or say that's not relevant anymore. I, I talked to Pastor David uh, um, this past week, and he assured me that on Wednesday mornings with, with Jim Love Kolish's class at Terrific Thursdays, you take the time to sing some hymns and you take some time to enjoy that music. On the flip side is I don't want an older generation to judge or to criticize a younger generation style of music. It might be too loud, and we've even talked about getting earplugs for the most practical sense of things uh, in here. There's a different style and there's a different way of doing things. I want you to just remember this. If you're a grandparent in this room, and, and it's too dark in here during worship or too loud sometimes. I just want you to remember this one, uh, this one core value that we have too. We want your grandchildren in heaven. We want your grandchildren in heaven. So we're not changing who we are as a church just because we changed some of the, the look of a stage. What we're trying to do is, is connect with a younger generation because we know that they're the next generation and one day their children and their grandchildren will be the next generation. We're not being fake. We're not being someone who we're not. We're just singing current music at that volume. Uh, it connects with that generation. We want your grandchildren in heaven, if that's what you can remember. Each and every single uh, life stage is important to us here. Cameron, if you want to put up that slide of the pastoral team, even if you see how we've broken down uh, our pastoral team here. We have Pastor Chris with his wife, Ashley, dealing with nursery all the way through fifth grade, and then also their parents and family. Anthony and Jill as the interim student ministries, that's sixth grade all the way through uh, 12th grade. So that's middle school and high school. And then Vicki uh, and Chad, Pastor Vicki and Chad, not just missions, but they oversee young adults. That's the bridge on Thursday night. So that's post uh, high school all the way through that early adulthood. And then Pastor Todd, uh, Pastor Adam, myself, you know, we focus, and even Pastor Francisco with the Hispanic ministries, focus a lot on the adult ministries. What happens here on a Sunday morning, discipleship, welcoming new people in, caring for them while they're in the hospital. And then Pastor David's not just administrative, but he's senior adult. So he takes that, that portion, that generation of believers and connects with them appropriately too. So what we do here is we have every single generation and every age group covered by somebody. They're, every single one of you are important and significant. But just as we have different responsibilities, we're trying to model what a healthy team looks like as a pastoral team and a greater ministry team. And then that will hopefully spill out into this church family so we could be a healthy church family, different generations, different lifestyles and, and, and age groups, but also unified. When we think of honoring uh, somebody above yourself, I really feel like it's saying this. I value who you are as a child of God 
and I appreciate how you express your love for God in different ways. And even though I don't always understand or even agree at times, I will honor you above my personal preference. I'll read that again. I believe that's what true biblical honor is, is being able to say to any other person in this church family, I value who you are as a child of God. And I appreciate how you express your love for God in different ways. And even though I don't always understand or even agree at times, I will honor you above my personal preference. And that's what we wanna do. We wanna welcome people of all different backgrounds and styles at Central. We want the introvert and the extrovert. We want the plan maker and the risk taker. We want the dress shirts and the sweatshirts. We want the comb straight hold and the spiked and bold, which I actually appreciate today. That's what I'm talking about. We want the military blues and the covered in tattoos. We want the young, the old, and every age. We want the single, the married, and every life stage. We want anybody to be able to walk through here and call Central their home. Why don't we stand at this time? Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter four, he says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. We're called to live a life worthy of our calling. He says, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. This is so important, right? We're honoring who someone is in Christ without dishonoring them for who they're not. So what we're saying is, I'm going to hold you up in a high level of honor. And I'm gonna be patient with you. I'm gonna bear with you even in the midst of your mistakes. If you could just realize that you haven't arrived yet, then you know every other person in here hasn't arrived yet. And we can be patient with one another. And in verse three, it says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. So this is the thing that we can do is that we might not always be united in our decisions, our styles, the way we do church, but we could be united because we all have the same spirit in us that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. Last week, I had uh, six individuals up here and we linked arms and we talked about how they could link arms and then face each other in a circle to provide care and support for one another, to provide discipleship and teaching, but they could also separate, stay, stay linked, but also go backwards. And what they can do for that is to always welcome somebody else new into the family and then also protect one another from an attack of the enemy. And I believe those two purposes of being linked together is gonna to be vital. So what we're gonna do for this closing prayer, I want any of you teenagers, like middle school, or if you're in elementary school, maybe a parent can go with you. But middle schoolers and high schoolers, I just want you guys, uh, even college students, actually go all the way through your 20s. I want you guys to leave where you are and just find an aisle. Just stand by a pew in your aisle. Just go ahead now, don't, don't wait. Any young adults, um, middle school, high schooler, college students in your 20s, just find a place in the aisle. And then what I want you guys to do, we're gonna link together as a church family. So what I want, starting at the middle, I want you guys to move in and link arms and I want the outer sections to move into the intersections. I want you to link arms with one another, not hold hands. You can let go too far, right? If, you're, if, you're, if you get mad at somebody, you're gonna actually have to move here. You can't stretch out too far. Outside sections, move all the way in. Here, outside, you guys here, I want you guys to come a part of, yeah, you guys can split up and come a part of these aisles. I didn't explain that clearly. Grab, grab somebody's arm at the end. Dana, help them. 
come into here. I didn't explain that clearly at all. I apologize. I want you guys to actually be a part. I want you to be a part of them. So go ahead and link arms at the end. Now, there's still a gap back here. I don't want there to be a weak spot. I need you guys to move all the way in. Hey, if you're holding somebody's hand and you get upset with them, how quickly can you let go, right? This is a little bit harder. I'm not a great directional giver. So yeah, yeah, go ahead. You got it. We got time. Go ahead. All the way across. All the way across. All the way across. Some of you are like so stretched. All you got to do is step closer together and you won't be uncomfortable. Oh, Dana, can you get a picture of this? I mean, if you could see what I see right now, this will be a force for the kingdom of God. Like we can actually say they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. If you were raised in church, you know the song. That we would be one as they are one and that people would know that Jesus was sent by a loving father and that he loves them as much as he loves us. Yeah, let's pray. Part of this church family. Okay, Dana, come on, come on. Oh, you're going to take a picture first. All right. Father, we just come to you right now, uh, just linked up in arms, knowing that you gave us the same Holy Spirit as Jesus had in him. And Father, if you have found us worthy enough to actually be able to host your Holy Spirit, then you've also found us worthy enough to be able to honor someone who's completely different than us in a completely different life stage or age, style of hair, music, uh, ministry, whatever it is. So Father, I pray that even as we are linked up right now with our arms, I pray prophetically that you would bind us together in perfect unity, that we would be able to not just say, but demonstrate with our lifestyle that we are a unified family of believers being transformed by Jesus. Father, I ask that you would do something supernatural even right now. Bind us together, Father. If there's a guest here right now that's even uncomfortable. Why am I standing like this? I pray that you'd show them the significance of being a part of a family of believers. I pray that you would draw their heart close to you, that they would say, wow, these people might be crazy, but they're crazy for you. Father, I pray, God, that you would shower your love upon each person. And God, I even pray right now in Jesus' mighty name for those people who are part of this church family that came from abusive backgrounds, that came from a background when their parent didn't say they love them or they trust them or that they're proud of them. Father, I pray that you'd break off any and all feelings of abandonment right now in Jesus' name. Any feelings of worthlessness, any feelings that I can't make it, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not fast enough. Father, I pray that you'd break those lies off of us, that we would feel like we are accepted, we are wanted, we are loved, we are part of a family of God who's going to make a difference in this area, in this county, in this state, nation, and worldwide. I thank you that you're already doing it. I thank you for those who are brand new to this church and brand new to the faith, and I thank you for those who have been here 50 and 60 plus years. I thank you that you can mix together generation upon generation, and we can all serve and worship the same living God. And then you can fulfill us all, different people, a part of a family. Father, we just pray your blessing upon us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. amen. Be blessed today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. 
be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.